Hi, welcome to Lime Time Podcast with the Tick Chicks. We are two moms with Lyme who want to share our journey of this invisible disease with you. Each week, we will bring you doctors, practitioners, and Lyme warriors to help share tips, strategies, inspiration, and real-life stories. We hope that in some way, it will provide insight and strength to help you navigate Lyme disease. We are all in this together, so we are glad you are here. We are your partners in Lyme. Welcome everyone to Lime Time with the Tick Chicks. This is Mimi, and today we are talking with Allie, my partner. We are going to dive into her journey with Lyme. Allie, both of us have had such different experiences with our diagnosis with Lyme, and you have been searching longer than I have for answers. I would love for you to tell us about your symptoms and how you ultimately diagnosed your Lyme. Sure. Yeah, so I was born and raised in the Midwest, and um, so I just kind of wanted to highlight a couple of things that led up to my diagnosis with Lyme in terms of illnesses. It, at four years old, I had chicken pox. At 13, I had a very bad case of mono. At 17, I had a very bad case of shingles. And then it seemed to be that after college, I kind of went into a good place in my life. And then a few years back, about eight years ago, I started feeling terrible. And it was sort of like overnight. Up until that point, I was doing, you know, lots of exercise. I would be at spin class multiple times a week. I really had an active and happy life and lifestyle. And I had three kids and my husband and I were busy, busy, busy. But <clears throat> at around... I guess age, you know, my early 40s, I just woke up one day and I really couldn't walk. And then I went to, um, you know, I, I went to several doctors and specialists and spent years trying to figure out what was going on with me. In that course, I, uh, they first found chronic CMV um, virus. What's, the, what, what's CMV? So it's, it's a virus. And uh, the way it was described to me was that I, it's very common in Latin America. And that I probably came across somebody that was very sick with it and I caught the virus. And possibly it could have been, you know, anybody that I know that is of Latin American descent. I also have traveled a lot to um, Latin American countries. So I, I just kind of figured I picked it up somewhere along the way. Um, but that kept showing as a very, very high marker in my blood. And then I had, after that, I got diagnosed with chronic EBV, which is closely related to mono. And I have this, this, uh, the three markers in my blood work that basically I'm not probably ever going to get rid of that one. And then about six months after that, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. They found it after two tests. So that's sort of my journey up until this point. After Lyme, I kind of just started working on treating my symptoms. I didn't focus so much on finding any more <laughs> things that were laying around in my blood. And I just really started focusing on my recovery. I was never really a healthy child or young adult, I will have to say that. I feel like mm -hmm. I was always on antibiotics and I was always just didn't really have the energy that a lot of my friends had. 
What other symptoms would you say you had? Like what, what is CMV? What are the symptoms of that? So chronic CMV is operates like if, if a normal person with normal immune functions got it, they would be very ill, like kind of like flu-like symptoms for about, you know, a couple of months. Like it lasts a while. It's not just the, a quick and easy. Um, so is it kind of like Epstein-Barr virus, the EBV? Um, no, it doesn't really. I don't really think it, it includes the, the severe fatigue factor. Okay. It's more just like a kind of a cold flu, feeling yucky, and that's okay. it. Most people will, will get it, and then they will release it. My body right. just, every time I get my blood tested, years later, it still has the high marker for C and CMV, and it's called cytomegalovirus. Huh. And um, then what kind of um, Lyme symptoms did you have? So then I just started noticing neurological weaknesses. Oh. And so I had recently taken a couple of trips to the, um, the, to Maine and Massachusetts. I went there during the summers a couple of times and I just don't know exactly when I contracted Lyme disease. I don't remember. I remember incidences where there were ticks where I could see little tiny nymph ticks on my leg and I would just brush them off. But I don't remember one actually lodging Mm -hmm. in my body and finding it. I had no bullseye rash. I just don't remember any of that. So right. uh, my Lyme, my first Lyme symptoms were um, neurological. For instance, I could just look at my, I could be sitting there and look at my thighs and they would be popping like popcorn under the skin. My nerves were going crazy. Wow. I could barely walk. I could barely walk upstairs. Anything with an incline was especially difficult for me. Um, my life came to a screeching halt and I just, I, I was wide awake almost every night. Um, even though I was so, so, so tired. Yeah. So you had like the insomnia. Yes. And, um, and then I had, um, these lumps that started developing under my armpits and yeah. they still don't really know what they are. They know that they're not in my lymph nodes, but there's something going on under there. And that's what led to the two hygienic, hygienics tests. And those were performed by two doctors separately and independently. And they both came back with the same results for Lyme disease. I did, um, but basically by the time I caught the Lyme, which was only about a year and a half ago. Um, so seven years, six and a half to seven years into my journey, it was only really heavily populated in my blood and not my urine. Mm-hmm. So, now, why did you do two hygienics tests versus just one? I just wanted to be sure. And also mm -hmm. the, the doctor that found it first was actually um, at the Cancer Institute. They were, they were really eliminating a lot of things with the lumps under my armpits. Right. So they were just, that was the doctor that said, hey, everything's perfect in your blood work. You're, you, you look good. He said, you don't have that. cancer. There's so a Lyme disease else. test. Yeah. And That's I cool. said, no, but let's do it now, you know, at the time, and I don't know what they run now, but I, he wanted to do two tests, full battery. Um, and he did one where I did urine and then I got like a deep tissue massage or something. And then I came back to his office and we did blood work. So he mm -hmm. did a kind of a different type of method, but he did them both in one day. And, um, 
And then after he found the positive result, he sent me to a tick-borne specialist doctor. And I, I wanted it. I wanted a second test as, as well. I really wanted to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I've, I look back on my history, I think, you know what? I now just treat really my symptoms moving forward. I don't, I try not to focus too much on this. Do I have, is this a recurrence of EBV or is this a recurrence of Lyme or what's going on? I just keep treating my symptoms because they're all, to be honest with you, they're all very similar. Right, right. So looking back on the past eight years um, when you haven't been feeling well, and I know you are feeling better, you're not at hundred percent, but you often talk about being at 85% or whatnot. Do you, is there anything that you would attribute to? Like what was your turning point of starting to feel better? Like what kind of treatment or any other things? So I would say over the course of eight years in the beginning was the most critical because I was in such severe pain. I was so debilitated with my walking. So I would say initially those treatments were um, just, I was reacting a lot to foods. I would eat and my throat would swell up immediately, no matter what I ate. So it was more, again, instead of focusing on the foods that I was eating, it was more of a um, focusing on the nerves that were firing off in my throat. So initially, um, I would say my main things were just the food elimination game, whether Mm -hmm. it's the food elimination diet, eating plant-based. And by the way, people told me a gazillion times, oh, my friend had Lyme disease or my friend had this, you know, have you ever considered going plant-based? And I, I just didn't hear it. There was, right. there was something that I, I just wasn't hearing it at the time. I was like, no, no, I'm thinking in my mind, no, I need the cure. I need to, I need to get this bacteria out of me. Like I can't, I can't be sidetracked by plant-based food, <laughs> but right. now that I'm, you know, eight years into it, I'm feeling like I am in a state of remission with my Lyme disease. If there is such a thing or else perhaps it's all gone, I'm going to do more testing this year, but the plant-based is a huge part of it. And, and did you, so you were not on antibiotics or any other kind of So I did. Yes. Initial, uh, no, uh, the antibiotics came at a, at year, you know, seven, I did three months of antibiotics, but I didn't try them all up until that time. Um, so once I, once I got the Lyme disease, I diagnosis, I did an infrared saunas, um, when I was in acute stages, uh, in the beginning, I, I had to resort finally to a medication called gabapentin, which is an anti-seizure. Oh, wow. And I, ha- I sat on that prescription for three months before I was so pushed to my weakest point. I finally took one and it just, what it did was it calmed for me, it calmed my central nervous system and it stopped all that jumping around of the nerves under my skin. And, but with that, I had to, um, also go on like caffeine in the morning, just to, just to keep my days and nights from mixing up. I did IVs later on about halfway through my treatments when I started getting these other diagnoses with EBV and CMV and the IVs, I started out once a week. Let me think once a week. And I did that for about 
no, I'm sorry. I think, I think I did, I did, I did twice a week for a month. Then and I went were they just home. vitamin, were they vitamin IVs they were, or ozone? Well, they, were or probably, they were a little bit more than what you would normally get at a regular hydration bar. I did them with my functional doctor and she did them according to my blood work. But yes, it was, um, it was, I will put this up on the website. It was a, you know, it was that main concoction of immuno boosters, but then she would add a little bit of something that I needed um, for right. my blood work. So like a Myers cocktail plus glutathione yes. or something like that. Exactly. Okay. And then my supplements, which I also um, have uh, most of them up on the, on the website, but my supplements, I, I still to this day, take them every day. I don't think I'll ever have a day where I wouldn't be taking my herbs and supplements. That's right. just, that is just going to be my new normal. And mm -hmm. uh, breathing work, I did, I did some breathing work as well and meditation. And I just got into the holistic um, integrative medicine part because that right. was hugely important N for me. Now today, are you doing all these things still? Or are you like, what's your day-to-day -day kind so, of regimen? So now that I have, I'm operating at, I'd say I'm probably 85 to 90% most of the time and I feel great. And so I do have occasional pain now that I'm, um, you know, having some hormonal changes and whatnot. I will have some hormone, uh, some occasional body pain associated with that, but that could be just kind of normal. So right now, basically um, my only triggers seem to be mold. Um, and then I just stay on top of my energy and sleep, which is again, keeping my days and nights from mixing up. Um, the insomnia still hasn't gone completely away. So day to day, mm -hmm. I wake up, I drink one cup of black coffee, or um, I've also been doing alternating. There's something called Genius Consciousness. It's a product. I will put it up on the website. You can get it on Amazon.com, but it's a powder of, and it's a mixture of herbs and um, natural um, it, items and you, and you just stir it up in your water and you drink that and it will actually, it actually boosts your energy first thing in the morning. Um, I will do a series of meditations first thing in the morning. Um, I will, I've gotten into reading, which is really good for my mind to just escape for a little while. I definitely do my infrared saunas. I every night do an Epsom bath every single night, every night. Wow. Every night. Um, and um, I believe in a theory of breaking a sweat every day, mm -hmm. even if it's just a very small sweat, or even if it's just getting my heart rate up a little bit, or, you know, doing a jog or um, an exercise class. Uh, that's really- Does the sauna count as your sweat? For sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sweat 10 times as much in the sauna and I love it. I think it's great for anti-inflammation. Um, I do, again, yeah, I do my supplements every day. I do my occasional IVs if I'm feeling like I'm getting, let's say, a bad cold or a sinus infection or anything like that, which I really don't anymore. If I feel something coming on, I will go right to my doctor and get, um, again, one of those um, IVs. And I just keep working on boosting my immune system. And my immune system is also mental health. It's amazing how huge that component is in just slowing down, you know, and, and taking care of myself and my family and keeping myself, my home clean 
and everything I'm putting in my body, I try to keep it clean. And I just have just slowed down my lifestyle a lot. Right. No, it's true. That's it's a really good point. I think um, mental health is a huge part of it. And right now it seems like it's great because there's so many great apps out there and programs and, you know, awareness to that. So to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just reading something this morning on um, one of, actually one of our followers, she was diagnosed at two years old with Lyme disease and now she's 17 and she, she really contributes so much of it to um, hypnotherapy. And, you know, I know myself too, I've done baby steps into tapping and different things like that to break breaking up thought patterns and whatnot. So it's definitely on the integrative scale. This is what we talk about on our website. You always start it with this conventional medicine mindset of Lyme disease. I need to kill this thing that's inside of me. I'm, I feel like I'm so out of control. Everything's gotten out of control and I, I have to do that. And I'm going to try with antibiotics. And that usually works for people that can catch Lyme disease in that first short window of time. If that doesn't really work, if antibiotics don't seem to be taking care of the problem, or you perhaps didn't catch Lyme disease until many months or years had passed by, I tend to settle in the functional medicine category, which is going back and doing genetic testing, figuring out why I got that. I mean, I really kind of came into this world, I think, with a little bit of a kink in the armor in terms of my immune system. So therefore, my body just isn't really t- quite getting rid of these viruses as, 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 they, as it should be. But that's okay, because I can now continue with my functional medicine doctor, and we can work on supplements and vitamins and you know my peptide injections and whatever else it is to make up for what my body just wasn't doing on its own and to take my immune system from 50% to 99.9%. And that is where I settle the most. But also there's a great part of it, which is your, your spirit, your mind, your soul, and that and healing that, which is all integrative medicine, which we talk about on our website. And those are the three components for, I think both of us, Mimi, that, you know, we kind of keep going from, from, you know, one piece of the triangle to the next and kind of, you know, take a multi-angle approach to, to combating Lyme and chronic illness. Right, right. So if someone came to you today and said, I have Lyme, which has happened obviously online, people have reached out, what words of advice would you give them? Like, what are the top three things that you would tell them to do immediately? So my top three things, which I talk about on the website under first steps, you know, a lot of it has to do with how aggressive they want to be in. If they're on any kind of budget, um, I talk to them a little bit about what they're willing to do and what they want to do. I mean, obviously everybody's going to try antibiotics first. I mean, not everybody, but most people are, but I equally believe that if they're on a budget, herbs can be can combat Lyme and can also treat major symptoms of Lyme. You just have to be a little more patient and get on an herbal protocol. But, you know, overall, I would say to them, reach out on social media, find other people that are like them, 
it's a very isolating disease because if you're not surrounded by people or doctors that get exactly what you're talking about, you know, life goes on and days pass and weeks passed. And I think once I got on social media and started joining different Lyme groups and Lyme, you know, making Lyme friends online and in through Instagram and whatnot, I, I really felt so alone. So I think that's number one is just connecting. Also don't overdo. You've got to say no to things. You've got to completely slow your life down. You cannot do it all. This is especially true for women. You just cannot do it all. You cannot keep hosting people and keep even your children, you know, allow them to do what to help around the house, allow them to grow in that way. It's a gift you're giving them. And you're also kind of protecting your mental energy, the energy that's going out. And I would just say, trust other people, trust, trust in your doctors that are hopefully ILAD doctors or tick-borne illness doctors or Lyme literate doctors, you just need to find that, that doctor that gets what you're talking about. And the last thing is to just keep going. There were many times that I was in bed and my husband would say, oh, you know, we have this um, commitment or we have that commitment. And even though I was cutting out 50% of my commitments, sometimes I just didn't, I just didn't know how I was going to do it, but I would just peel myself out of bed, take the shower get dressed, show up for a couple of hours. A lot of times I left early, but it also helped me connect with other people and not about Lyme disease. I would go and nobody even really knew I had it, but just to be able to laugh with other people and have social interaction with them and maybe play you know, games at the beach or see my kids play in sports things that you think you can't do because you just can't get out of bed, just keep forcing yourself to do some of those things to just keep yourself um, mentally just aware and happy of connection with other people. It's, it's, it's so much a part of that. And so even though I jumped off the hamster wheel a lot. I still kept myself going in so many ways. And it's what um, it's, I'm convinced it's what had me do mind over matter so much. And, you know, staying positive, staying very, very positive. I think also talking about circling back what you brought up in the beginning of the podcast, food too, like how important I didn't realize, right? Like, like Mm -hmm. for me, I, I don't know about for you, but like, it took me a while to hear it. People kept telling me like, don't eat gluten, don't eat sugar, don't eat, you know, dairy, um, get off the alcohol. Right. And I, I would be like, okay, you know, maybe I would do it 80% of the time and then I'd go have a glass of wine. But I think, you know, it's different for everybody, but in, if you, you have to really listen to your trigger and figure it out and like kind of clean that all up and then slowly bring them back and see what triggers you back. Because I didn't listen to that. And and it took me a couple of years to finally be like, okay, I really, like, I'm in a bad place. I really need to clean up this food and drink more water and see. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once I have really, really embraced that, mm-hmm. um, that's when I think I started seeing a shift as well. Right. Cause it's, it's frustrating. Cause you clean up your diet 
but then you don't immediately see, you don't get better. So you're like, okay, mm -hmm. I don't feel well. I'm still in bed, but I've given up everything I love. I give up my coffee. I gave up, you know, my occasional, you know, glass of wine. I've given up my sweets and my whatever gluten that I like. And then you're still not getting better. And then you get more frustrated. But I think if you really are strict with that for a little while, that, that's really, mm -hmm. really important. And I didn't realize how important that was early Absolutely. on. It's all, it's all mental transitions. You have to transition your mind to just sort of think, think in a different way. You know, even with exercise in the beginning, my doctor kept saying, you just have to move a little bit. You have to get out and move. You have mm -hmm. to get out. And I, I kept thinking to myself how impossible that was going to be to get out and walk around the block for me was the pain was so it, much, right? Oh, it, it, took, it took all day for me to mentally prepare to get myself to that point to, you know, get my shoes off the shelf and put my socks on that hurt my feet and tie my shoes that hurt my feet and, you know, get even up and down the stairs to get out of the house. It was, it was a heavy consideration. And no, that didn't always make me feel good. Sometimes it made me feel like it took, may, took me two steps back before going another step forward, mm -hmm. you know? So, but it's all really good advice. It's just, you, you're, you have to be in tune with what your body can just handle at the time. And just to always keep in mind, in the beginning, it almost seems like nothing works. And, right. um, and, and that's the frustrating part of it because you're in such an acute space. Right. Um, but that eventually, if you just keep staying positive and, and give it time, give your, right. don't have the mentality that I'm going to take a drug and this is going to go away. Have the mentality that this is going to be a, a bit of a marathon yeah. and it's going to be better but it's going to be different until you get to that point. Yeah, right. for sure. But you bring out a good point about the, um, about the exercising because I was the same way. I mean, I, I got to the point where like just getting out of bed to drive my kids somewhere, turning the wheel hurt my shoulders. Like mm -hmm. I'd be in pain just turning the wheel. The, the thought of even working out or stretching, just I couldn't even imagine it. But looking back, I wish I had pushed myself because I feel like I did start getting like incrementally better, the more I then felt better to then stretch, to then, you know, walk the 5,000 steps and then 10,000 steps a day. Right. But I wish mm -hmm. I had done that sooner because maybe I would have gotten better sooner if I had actually even just got out of bed to stretch or mm -hmm. to do a plank or, you know, and so I wish I kind of pushed myself a little more to do that. So that was, that's a good point. And also I didn't really realize until you and I started speaking more intently about mold about six oh my gosh, ago. right? And now that I have a bird's eye view of my journey, honestly, I think that the worst times through this whole journey, I have been exposed to mold because I was, yeah. I was in a rental house situation. And although I didn't walk around and see mold, there wasn't like black mold anywhere. It, it was an older home that smelled musty. I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. And that's where I lived for two years while we were, you know, displaced and building a home. Then, I, you know, I, I just went to Europe and I stayed in another situation where it was smelled mildewy or, you know, musty. I can't really describe the smell, but you know what it smells you know, like. It's totally that mildewy and I can't, I, I, it, that was the, my last bad, bad, I'll call it right. her seeing or whatever, my bad trigger 
that was about three months before I got out of that. It really, right. it slayed me. I couldn't even take my kids to the to bus stop or to school or anything. It just, I was just, I hadn't had that in a long time. So I want to just reiterate that for everybody out there. It's a real thing. I mean, and now looking back on those times, um, I really, I think that there's a lot of truth to the trigger, molding the trigger. Because you're right, because I look back on my experience and every time it's been mold, you know, one time it was a hotel room I stayed in. It was, mold. I could smell the mold when I got in and I stayed. And another time I was visiting up in Seattle and I took that underground tour, like of the, you know, under the basement of Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I walked through it and I was like, oh my gosh, it smells like mold. And now if I smell that mold, if I check into a hotel room, and I smell, I, I immediately walk out. I, I don't care. I would rather sleep in the car than sleep in a room that smells a little bit moldy because it sets me off like months. Yeah. So I agree with you about that. Yeah. So is there anything else just to wrap it up? Is there any other like last minute? I mean, you've given us such great advice um, and big picture stuff and, you know, specific things as well. Is there any other last minute words of advice or recommendations that you would give to anybody that's either has Lyme, that is taking care of somebody with Lyme, um, that you can give them? I mean, just goes back to just, you know, we believe you and this is real and there's going to be so much new research coming out of the fact that this is becoming an epidemic in our country as well as across the world. And I just want to keep everybody positive. I want to remind people to come back to our website because it's, it's new right now. And I can't even keep up with the amount of new resources and information that we have that we didn't have two months ago, Mimi. So I would just encourage people to continue coming back for more information for the latest stuff and, um, and just to keep connected. And we're here for you. And, and we, we want to just tell you that there is a light at the end of this tunnel. Thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your story. And um, I'm so excited that you and I are doing this and sharing our experience and our journey and hopefully can help, you know, others that are going through this and can make their, you know, healing journey shorter and not so lonely like it was for you and I. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us this week on Lime Time. If you enjoyed our podcast, please give us a review so others can find us. Remember, we're the Tick Chicks. We're not doctors offering medical advice, just two chicks who are fighting the battle while sharing our journey with lots of inspiration. Please tune in next time for more information to help you on your Lyme journey. Also, don't forget to visit us at thetickchicks.com. We're here for you. Have a fantastic and beautiful day.